Hello, listeners, and welcome to Sober Town. This is King 13 with you today to bring you another podcast about sobriety. And today we're going to discuss sobriety in the holidays. But first, I just want to talk about SoberTown.com. It's a complete one-stop shop for everything to do with sobriety. And so if you're looking for a podcast or you're looking for some tools to uh, put in your toolbox and keep you sober, please go and check us out. And also, I want to give a shout out to the IAS community because not only are the people who contribute to IAS part of that community, which is I Am Sober, but also the people that we interview here that tell their stories and the people that actually contribute to make this website complete come from that community as well. And today I'm joined by two lovely ladies from, I think I can say this, Canada, and we are going to be talking about sobriety and how we navigate that and through that with the holidays. And these two have already had um, Thanksgiving in Canada, so they've had it first. And I would like to welcome Cece. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm great, thank you. And Melanie, great grand. Hi. How are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. Um, so, ladies, let's start. You've experienced Thanksgiving recently. Cece, how did yours go? <laughs> um, mine wasn't just about the holiday. Um, my Thanksgiving weekend had a lot of different layers um, on it. And um, basically what happened is that I'm living in the east coast of Canada and uh, me my husband and my seven-year-old daughter packed up my car and we drove uh, 14 hours uh, to Ottawa so more so in the middle of Canada Um, and so the weekend was my first uh, road trip um, or even my first kind of quote-unquote vacation um, since becoming sober seven months ago. So there was that element of things. So I wasn't going to be in my own home. I wasn't going to be in, uh, you know, familiar places with my friends. Um, And I was going to be seeing my sister and my brother for the first time in two years. And along with that, I was meeting, you know, my nephew for the first time. He's 15 months old, you know, born in the middle of COVID. I was meeting my brother's fiance for the first time. Um, So a lot of different firsts were happening. Um, And my only other experience with holidays since um, I chose to go alcohol free was uh, Easter. And Easter happened when I was about five days sober. Uh, so uh this this was completely different yeah um and I mean I don't want to say that I was I wasn't nervous per se but um I I kind of recognized that there was a lot happening and um I've been very open with you know the community that um Mr. Cece uh, my husband he he still drinks uh he is not a heavy drinker by any means he moderates very easily um and so you know this weekend story that I'm going to share very much incorporates that element of things you know when you're in a relationship and one of you is not drinking and the other one is so everything went well day one of driving it was eight hours 
and we're packing up for day two of driving, which is going to be about six hours. And I decided to pack up the car for Mr. Cece, who was, I don't know what he was doing. And I pop open my trunk and I'm adding in the suitcases, rearranging all the toys. And I move like a blanket and I uncover like three cases of beer and five bottles of wine, <laughs> something <laughs> yeah. like that. <laughs> so, um, the boot. <laughs> yeah. And um, I knew that he was going to be bringing alcohol. We were bringing some stuff from our province into the other stuff, but you know, I was thinking like, you know, a six pack and a bottle or two kind of thing. So when I move things around and I discover like a bar in my trunk and I don't have a big car, like I have a Mazda CX three. Right. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's like three feet away from me and I don't know what happened, but I, I like panicked. I panicked, like just seeing all of it together. I just like this whole, like I was completely intimidated. It just like totally washed over me. And I was just like, I was like shaking and reflecting back on it now is all of my experience with alcohol in the past seven months, everyone's just holding like one glass right? Or you see mm -hmm. one bottle or you mm -hmm. open the fridge and you see a few cans, but yeah. I haven't been into a liquor store since like ever, like in the past ever, you know, in the last seven months, I haven't yeah, right. seen large amounts of alcohol in one space in over seven months. And where I live in Canada, we don't sell, um, alcohol in the grocery stores or anything like that so I just haven't been exposed to it and so when I saw it all it was just like completely overwhelming and um Mr. Cece didn't really get that at all right um and he was like well I was never gonna leave you alone with it and I'm like, well, you did leave me alone with it. And that's how I found it, <laughs> you know? Um, and we kind of had an argument about it because he could not understand where I was coming from with this, right? Mm. Knowing that we were traveling with this much alcohol and that this much alcohol was then going to go into my sister's house and it was going to be there. Like, mm. and I messaged Polly um while we were driving and just in a, like a complete panic and she sent me a voice message back and you know she's trying to talk you know I'm not going to say talking sense into me but she was doing her thing that Polly does you know and she was like let's put this in perspective you know how many people are going to be there how many days are you going to be there when you're when you're breaking this up you know you're seeing it as one large you know, big alcohol fest, right? And, but when you divide it all up, it's actually not that much, right? And I couldn't see that, you know, I could only just see like a shit ton of alcohol. So, um, yeah, so, you know, I'm never gonna, I'm not gonna leave you alone with it, Mr. Cece says. Um, flash so, forward. Hold on. Did you guys not talk about this beforehand, honey? Because Obviously, whenever you go to functions, right, you normally bring alcohol, even if it's your own, because some people want to drink what they want to drink. 
it be a particular type of wine or whatever. I used to always bring alcohol whenever I went to someone's house. In Australia, it's considered kind of rude not to show up with something without something in your hand. So you guys never talked about it? Well, I knew that he was going to be bringing the alcohol. I underestimated severely how much he was going to be bringing. And I felt like the amount that he was bringing was completely overkill. Yeah. You know, completely. Um, Even if I was still drinking, I probably might have been like, that's a lot of alcohol to bring. Let's make them buy their own, (laughs) you know? Um, But uh, so it, it just felt like a lot. Um, and so, uh, seeing my siblings for the first time in two years was kind of crazy because you have, they're your family and you're like really close to them, but not seeing them for that amount of time is you kind of have this expectation that things are going to be the way that they always are, but things Mm -hmm. are different for me now. And I was always kind of the ringleader with the drinking aspect of things and I think that almost in a way they sort of felt a little bit awkward you know waiting for me to kind of get things going um you know obviously I'm I'm relatively social and stuff like that but you know the ringleader wasn't there (laughs) and um a new kind of layer of nervousness kind of like seeped in because I had this like really strong desire to, to, to see my brother and sister so that, you know, things could be the way that they always were to have like this sort of sense of, um, you know, making up for the time that we lost and then realizing how much I had changed. And I mean, my sister became a mom, my brother is getting married and I stopped drinking and this sort of realization that, wow, things aren't the same. And Did they know that you're not drinking? They, you've spoken to them, obviously. Yeah, so they know that I stopped uh, drinking. I, I'm not sure if they quite understood to the extent that I was drinking. Um, mm-hmm. I was always the heaviest drinker in my family. Um, my family, my mom and dad don't drink much. My sister can never seem to finish one drink. Like she mm-hmm. leaves like half a glass of wine sitting on the table and then she'll go get something else. And it's like, she has like five drinks on the night, but none of them are finished, yeah. you know? <laughs> and know. so it's like the I weirdest thing. I've got thing. a like that too, I think. Just leaves glasses yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so the first night that we were there, um, I put my daughter to bed and my daughter asked me to, you know, stay nearby until she fell asleep. And that's fine. So everyone's downstairs drinking and I'm just kind of sitting there in the kitchen by myself with the fridge, with all (laughs) the alcohol we brought in the trunk of my car that I was never going to be left alone with. (laughs) So... Oh, I was God. a little, I got a little angry at Mr. Cece. I think I might have sent a snarky, okay. I sent a snarky text that said, you were never going to leave me alone with this. And here I am beside the fridge. And it was, it was kind of like the weirdest 
I was just in like this really weird place because I was actually thirsty, but I was like afraid to open the fridge. And so I just, I just didn't know what to do. But um, I think that once I got past that first night and what kind of happened was that, yeah, my sister-in-law started drinking at noon. Yeah. Mr. Cece started having a drink around two or three and whatever. But when I just started seeing people with one drink at a time, you know, or, you know, one bottle of wine at the time, it, it seemed to like, I started feeling a bit better about the quantity of alcohol that we had. So like that perspective that I didn't have when I saw it all in one place, um, it started to sort of shift. And um, I drank a lot of seltzer or carbonated water, whatever you want to call it. Um, I drank about a 12 pack of the, uh, the coconut stuff. I don't know. Anyway, it was, it was good, but I drank like seltzer heavily. Um, I think sometimes I do that. Um, it makes me feel like I'm keeping pace with people, even though it's water. Um, it just gives me some type of reassurance and, um, I was, you know, drinking it out of a normal glass and, you know, it, you know, I, you know, I consider it a special drink, right? So things were going well until 10 minutes before our meal. And I noticed that the table is all set and everybody has a wine glass and I'm all out of my fancy water. Panic. (laughs) So these are the types of things that trigger me. Like everybody else is going to be having their fancy wine. Well, I want Mm. my fancy water. Mm -hmm. And so I had to make a really fast trip to a near nearby grocery store. (laughs) So I I delayed dinner uh, and I get back and I have like a, some type of like a raspberry Perrier or something. And I'm like, say to my sister, I'm like, do you have any ice? And she's like, no. So I'm like, why do you not have any ice? So I ended up drinking um, a piss warm raspberry Perrier or strawberry Perrier out of a wine glass that said that wine is the answer to all questions. <laughs> Sorry. And you're just like. <laughs> I realize at this point, I just want to be home in my chair with my cat behind me. <laughs> yeah, I realized that all of my sister's wine glasses had some type of saying on them that Marketing, romanticizes yeah, exactly, alcohol. Yeah, and so, like many people know that one of my crutches early in sobriety was drinking seltzer out of a wine glass. This is yeah. something that I did that got me through probably about three weeks. Mm-hmm. And then that wine glass accidentally broke um, in a dishwashing mishap. And I had quite possibly the largest meltdown of my <laughs> sober journey over this wine glass breaking. And so I've avoided making any attachments with, um, stemware I guess (laughs) um so but I do find that sometimes when I drink my fancy water out of a wine glass it 
it sometimes makes me feel like I'm included a little bit more. That's exactly what you feel like. Yeah. And so I'm kind of looking around at all these wine glasses with all of these sayings on them. And I'm kind of like, I want to break this wine glass deliberately. And I didn't because obviously they had a set. Um, So I just kind of tried to see the light in all of it and proceeded to drink my my carbonated water out of the wine glass for the rest of the evening. Um, so I guess kind of like a couple of different things came up. Um, I think the biggest thing over the weekend was the communication with, um, with my husband, because I think we kind of realized that we we both think that each other has a superpower and they're completely different. So his superpower in my eyes is that he can have one glass of wine and walk away. I do Mm -hmm. not understand this. I do not comprehend this. Like, I'm just like, well, how do you do that? He believes that my superpower is that I am immune to temptation. So he sees my six months at the time as being a huge accomplishment, which it is, I'm not downplaying this accomplishment, but as a normie or a muggle, he thinks that if I have gone this long, that it kind of the, the feeling of wanting to drink just magically disappears. Yeah. It fixes itself. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm not going to say that he thinks that I'm stronger than I am. I don't think that's accurate. But I don't quite think that he appreciated all of the different things that were happening together. I wasn't in my home. I was, you know, seeing people um, that I, you know, yes, they're my family, but I was seeing people for the first time in a long time. I've changed a lot since seeing these people. A lot of firsts are happening. You know, Um, this is only my second major holiday. You know, and especially when I was the ringleader, there still exists like almost a pressure that I have to perform in a way. And um, so Mr. Cece had said to me, um, I think that alcohol might be like not drinking um, might be causing you more anxiety than when you weren't drinking or more anxiety now that you've stopped drinking compared to when you were. Um, Sorry, I mixed that up. But yeah, because he's seeing me have all of this anxiety about not drinking. And he's like, well, if one of the reasons why you stopped um, was to decrease anxiety, well, then why are you still experiencing anxiety? And I don't think he um, quite understands that I have traded huge anxieties for little ones. You know, right. and it's the, a process. You don't yeah, like it's the process. guilt, the shame of having like a blackout and losing time. That was a huge anxiety. I've now traded that for what kind of carbonated water do I want? You know, so I've swapped or do large I have anxieties enough? for smaller ones. <laughs> and but when he sees me having stress over this he questions, well, then why are you doing this? You know? And so I think that more than anything, it was probably a a lesson um, and an experience in 
having a partner that is still drinking. And, you know, although he supports me completely, we can't, or we'll never quite see perfectly eye to eye on this. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to try to force him because I don't, I don't quite think that's possible. And I'm okay with that because I can connect with people like you guys who do understand that. So I don't feel alone in this. Um, but at the same time, you know, these types of things that I anticipate moving forward, like moving into Christmas season now, um, you know, I now have more experience, so I, yeah. I can know what to expect. But at the same time, I'm still in my first year. There mm. are still a lot of firsts to come. First Christmas is happening. First New Year's is happening. My first, uh, my first birthday <laughs> is, is happening. So a lot of things are happening um, that I've never experienced before. This is uncharted territory. And I think that it's very easy for him and for, for others, other family members to understand that. And I've, I've said to my family that, you know, don't feel like you have to modify your behavior for me, just, you know, because I will feel even more out of place if you're trying, you know, to act differently around me. And that's true, you know, but sometimes it's just kind of like, I sort of just wish kind of that it, it wouldn't be awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, That's the thing. I agree. Why does it have to be awkward? I just, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, we've got some, I don't know. It's just really, really weird. My brother was bringing up a conversation the day and he goes, Oh, we went to a winery. Whoops. And I go, what do you mean? Whoops? People go to goes, wineries. Oh, I didn't mean to say that. And yeah. I'm like, mate, you can talk to me about a winery. It's fine. It's like they, they can't ever mention alcohol again. And they make it more of a stigma than it really needs to yeah. be. Yeah. It's, it's like you're making me feel really weird. I said, listen, if you start acting like this, shit's going to get weird because yeah. I'm okay with it. But see, the thing is you are communicating with your family. That's a good thing. And that's what I wanted to go back and say. Did people want to know more? Did they say, you know, oh, see, see, you know, because even if you say seven months, but they almost think like, oh, well, now you can go back to drinking normal. You've had a big break. That's fantastic. Can we have you back? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, it was kind of one of those things. Like my sister, when we were one-on-one eventually, you know, did say that she was really proud of me and she did like acknowledge, nice. you know, that, you know, yes, it is kind of, it, it, it is hard work. And it was a very, very, very big change for me. And it was a very good change that I think needed to be made, especially since I was able to come to the decision to stop drinking on my own terms. Um, but uh, yeah, it's fitting like you know finding my place into my family now is is um I I feel like I'm navigating that you know a bit more um or I'm going to be experiencing this feeling of trying to figure out where I fit in a bit more just because like I said you know I was always the one that was drinking and people were drinking to keep up with me and you know, I used to work in the wine industry. So I was always the one picking out the wine. I was always the one pairing the wine, you know, and, you know, I, I have, I've had extended family text me about, you know, wine that they're making, you know, at one of those, 
like stores or whatever. And like, they don't, uh, my extended family don't really know that I've stopped drinking. Um, but my immediate family does. And so I'm just the go-to wine person. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because some, I still order wine for Mr. Cece. When we're at a restaurant, we went out for our anniversary. I I picked Mm -hmm. the, the wine for him. That's just, well, a, he needs reading glasses and he refuses to get them. And so I get stuck <laughs> reading the menu. Right. Mm. Um, but when you're the go-to person, when you are the, the alcohol in your family, and then you take that away, um, it's, it's different. And I, my first taste of it obviously is riddled with a bit more stress and worry and anxiety and trying to fit in. And, but overall, I'm really proud of myself. Um, Good. I like that my meltdown happened at the beginning. Like I'm, you know, of all times to have the meltdown, mm-hmm. I think the fact that I kind of got it out, um, I like the meltdown I had seeing a large amount of alcohol in one place triggered me. And I think that this is an experience that may be useful for other people, you know? Um, And I didn't really realize how I was seeing alcohol was actually, you know, like I said, one drink at a time, one bottle of wine at a time, but um, realizing that I can feel intimidated, that I can feel triggered. Um, I think that having that experience will only make me stronger um, the next time it happens because it will mm-hmm. happen. Holidays mm-hmm. will continue to happen. That's right. I will be going on a road trip again. My husband will bring too much alcohol to Christmas dinner, you know? So, um, you know, this is sort of a, it's, it's, it was a preview and all things considered, uh, in some ways I wish I did better, but in other ways, if I hadn't have struggled at all, I, that almost would have concerned me a little bit more, right? I, I feel like, I don't want to say like, you know, I need to struggle, but I'm still learning. Learning is, is, is happening. Right. And I'm feeling my emotions and I'm feeling the feelings and all that kind of stuff. So I feel like by, um, allowing myself to get triggered and allowing myself to experience whatever comes up, I'm not just sweeping everything away and being like, Oh, everything's fine. Right. I'm actually dealing with it right instead of just saying I'm not going to struggle with this and then just walking away and then having you know maybe it all bubbles over a couple months from now but that's a huge thing that's happened when I've stopped drinking is that you know I confront my feelings right away I don't have alcohol to push them down anymore and I have no interest in doing that anymore and so I think allowing the feelings to come up and dealing with them and sitting with them. And although it created a little bit of awkwardness between me and my husband, it has given me more of a perspective. So. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. And now that you've done it for the first time, you may not have, you know, as intense a reaction when the next time it happens, you load the trunk, the alcohol's there, you're like, 
yeah, okay, I get it. Just keep going and, and move on. It'll be you know, like, oh, this it. is just like, you know, I remember when this happened last time or, yeah. you know, or in my head, in my mind now, because I reached out to somebody um, and talked about it in my mind, when I see a large amount of alcohol now, I'm going to be like, wait, and I'm a math teacher, which is hilarious, yeah. but yeah. do the math. How many people are there? How many days, you know? I think I did the math out to it worked out to each person having five drinks a day over a three day period or something oh, like that. That, that wouldn't have cut it with me. Yeah. And so when I actually did the math, I realized, yeah, that actually isn't all that much, mm. you know, but yeah. your, your, your mind plays tricks on you. And it's kind of, it's kind of weird. You know, I, I can't fully, fully understand how quickly that feeling like popped up and why I wasn't able to actually do that math in my head until someone told me to do it. Right. And so I feel like that's now a tool that I have in my toolbox. Right. Um, because I had never had to do that before, you yeah. know, look at something, a large amount of alcohol and ration it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah, it was a lot more, manageable and and you know that's that's kind of the thing too is that you're not going to be sitting at a table with everything on the table all at once no, no. people like their drinks cold <laughs> and most people too I don't know but we have usually we had a drink fridge at our house because yeah. it was too much food on Christmas day anyway to go into one fridge so yeah. the drink fridge would be in the garage so yeah. I wouldn't if you don't have to, you wouldn't necessarily see it. Anyway, Mel, what about you? How does your story compare to that? Did you have to travel 14 hours? Tell us more. <laughs> and feel free to, to, to jump in at any time and comment, ladies. You know, this is a three-way conversation. Yeah. So my story kind of contrasts or and complements CC's in a way because, I mean, we're only two days apart sober. Um, right. But at the same point, my husband's sober. Um, he's been sober now almost six years. So I don't have that, um, you know, with a drinking partner, I was the partner that drank. Um, so that said, um, we didn't travel over Thanksgiving. Um, we, it was actually really quiet. I don't have family here with me really, other than my husband's side of the family and my son who doesn't live at home with us right now. Um, and yeah, um, we've got my one stepdaughter here, another one that lives outside of the house as well. Um, other than that, my dad's passed away. My mom's in Manitoba. My brother's out in BC. So my side of the family is scattered everywhere. Um, husband's side of the family is really close as well. And nobody really drinks. So um, for Thanksgiving, we kind of put it out there, wanted to kind of see, but everyone like for our kids had other plans and didn't really want to get together. So, you know, we just had a little bit of a dinner with my son, but, um, that was it. Um, which is fine. It was nice and intimate and quiet. Um, my father-in-law decided not to have the typical family gathering at his place this year because of COVID things and, you know, I'm still a little bit susceptible and whatever. So, um, just chose not to do the big family gathering, but it really gave me a time to reflect on, um, family gatherings in the past. Cause like I said, I mean, nobody really drank before I was sort of the one that, um, would make sure I would have some wine there, or, you know, if maybe my sister-in-law maybe was having a, 
glass of wine, I would certainly partake with her. Um, but in that moment, I don't know how really present I was because then I couldn't wait to get home and drink more, or then I couldn't wait to, you know, um, you know, I just, I wasn't fully there, um, or just, yeah, just get home and leave and just, you know, um, just to continue drinking because it wasn't a big thing. Um, but that said, I guess right now for me, it makes it easier because alcohol wasn't a very big part of the story for family gatherings. Um, so as I go into them, um, I'll be able to separate a little bit further and not, you know, um, sort of, you know, think of alcohol and family gatherings going together. Um, I know I've got a girlfriend of mine that, you know, if we're not doing anything for Christmas with a family, um, side of the family, excuse me, um, then she'll invite us over or vice versa. Um, so as I think forward to other holidays that we might have, you know, she, she was somebody that I would have wine with or, um, you know, her husband would bring beer over or whatever else, um, thinking forward, you know, neither my husband or I drink. So I think what I will have to do is, you know, if we get together with them, just sort of put a boundary up, Hey, you know what, you're fine to drink here, but you know, bring your own. Um, so that's yeah. just sort of like something that I've thought as I go forward. Um, but and that's the thing, right? We've got to think forward. I think that's mm -hmm. half the deal. Like they always say, if you're going out somewhere, have your plan. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you don't want to feel that. Like that's, I think that's going to be the hardest thing is not feeling awkward because we are doing it. I'm with you. We're doing things for the first time. Yeah. And I haven't been with my family yet. So that's going to be very interesting. And in Australia, Christmas Day goes all day. It's not just, oh, you rock up for two hours and then you go somewhere else. It's a whole day thing. Um, so that's gonna it's gonna be interesting with a lot of people because I haven't seen anybody, right. and they don't they don't know this person that's sitting here right now. They don't they've no one's ever seen me sober. So mm -hmm. I've got a lot of firsts that are gonna hit me. But I also think um, and CC, it's interesting because you said about you hadn't seen volumes of alcohol. I go to the store all the time, and here you know it's the first thing in the store. And like in Australia, we have grocery market or supermarket here and then we have the alcohol section separate where you drive through outside the building so it's not together whereas in America it's all together and they put it right at the front I'm so used to seeing alcohol I just think it's colored bottles now it doesn't it doesn't bother me at all it mm -hmm. just doesn't yeah you know see I, mean? I can't like, I can't even imagine like I can't I can't imagine um I was really triggered earlier in my sobriety like around the one month mark that there was a liquor store attached to uh, the grocery store that I fill my prescriptions at. Right. And uh, I remember parking my car and a woman was coming out of the grocery store or sorry, the liquor store. And she was carrying like a 12 pack of my drink of choice and putting it in her trunk. And then I remember looking around the parking lot and I had one of those really weird perspective things happen again. I swear everybody in that parking lot was walking around with booze in their hand yeah. and it's a busy grocery store on a Saturday. Yeah. And I refused to get out of the car until I saw somebody walk out of the grocery store with a case of water. 
I was like, there has to be one person drinking water, right? You know, I'm, you know, holding on to the steering wheel, like, come on, water drinkers. And I see this guy come out of the grocery store holding a case of the pineapple bubbly, which was a new flavor. Well, he must have thought I was crazy because like I ran up to him and I'm like, have you tried it yet? Is it really, really good? Should I get it? And he's like, yeah. And, but like, again, like every now and again, I, you know, my, my mind just kind of like plays almost like a little bit of tricks on me. And so um, being where I am and the fact that the alcohol, I don't see it. I don't see it unless I go into a liquor store. And so I realized that this, that a lot of our American friends, you know, they've been actually having to, you know, deal with the availability of it on almost a whole different level. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, kudos to you guys. (laughs) Like, you know, I think it's amazing, um, you know, that you guys have been dealing with that, you know, from day one, whereas you know, I have to go to a different store. Right. And so, and I just, there hasn't been a reason to go into one. So I haven't been into one and it just so happens. My first uh, alcohol display was in the trunk of my own car. <laughs> yeah. And again, so you're right. The repetitive behavior or my repetitive going to the grocery store. Now I just go past it, go, yeah, yeah. Stick my finger up. at go, You're not going to get me. And I just keep walking because you know, that was where I would head first. Here, hubby, here's the trolley boom, and I'm going to get, and he's going to get his beer, and I'd go get my wine and what have you. And I think now we've got Christmas coming up. Does it change your plans, ladies, for what you're going to do at Christmas? Because, you know, they say you shouldn't make any major decisions in the first year. And I wouldn't be surprised if someone said, you know what, if, you, if I was triggered that much, I just, well, it doesn't matter for us anyway because we've got no family here where I am at the moment. So it's like, it doesn't worry me. It's just another day for me to be honest, and it's kind of a good thing. It's kind of a good thing because I don't have to worry like I used to have to worry about turning up to a humongous family of 60 people for every damn occasion who are all big drinkers who I used to drink more because I was around them, (laughs) if that Mm. makes sense. Not because they made me drink more. It's because I couldn't cope with them. It's like I don't think anything is going to change for me. No. like I said, I've had, uh, I've seen my siblings, they've seen me sober now. Um, and so, uh, I think I kind of ripped off the bandaid with this Good. one. Uh, Christmas is going to be, uh, where I live right now. Right. Um, and I think that, you know, I always bring my own water. I bring a little six pack of my own water, you know, and everyone is always impressed that I have such a flavor variety. Um, I go everywhere with at least six. Um, and I have my, you know, I have that. And, um, I, I do think that sometimes drinking the water out of a wine glass does help me feel included. And that's probably something that I will do only on holidays. And, um, I'm actually feeling pretty at ease with Christmas. Uh, ask me about that when I'm in the kitchen with my mother and we'll see how that's going. Um, but at the same time, that's always been something that caused me a lot of stress and Mr. CC seems more willing to help my mom with cooking. So maybe I'll just kind of, you know, enjoy die hard and actually remember how it ends this year. (laughs) 
And you know what? Don't you get people to bring to bring dishes, or do you do the whole all the cooking yourself? No, oh, my mom would usually do like all of the the cooking, but she, you know she's been finding it a little bit more stressful and has kind of been offloading onto us, which is totally fine. Um, but she does like it to have it all prepared on site. Like she wants everyone crowded in her kitchen, and it's like, well. I would prefer to prepare things and bring them. Like I said, I like bringing stuff because it gives me that element of control, right? Mm-hmm. If I bring the mashed potatoes, then I don't have to worry about boiling the potato or peeling the potatoes, boiling the potatoes, mashing the potatoes. Is this enough butter? Do you have the right butter? You know, it's um, where possible whenever I'm going out anywhere, I just bring it with me bring it with me and yeah, that's what we would do especially with a big family and so many to feed there'd just be a list and everyone would bring something different throw it on the table and the world come together you know it was a lot easier that way trying to do everything at once means you have to have perfect timing and how often do you have perfect timing someone the phone could ring and oh my god the gravy's burnt you know like it's just and too many cooks in the kitchen spoil it. I don't know. I'm one of those people. I work better alone. I can do mm-hmm. everything alone. But I don't, like when I was drinking, I would do as much as I could to prepare. You know what I mean? So the mashed potatoes would be in the great big four containers, you know, just ready to go in the oven. They were already done just to reheat. And the gravy was made and, you know, whatever. Like I was just always prepared but half the time I think last year we had lobsters we have some had some bloke in the building and he just they catch like lobsters I don't ask any questions I just give him the money he brings us four live lobsters and we just boil them and have them on Christmas day so we might even do that again in fact you just reminded me Cece there's a bottle of French champagne I know in the closet that I forgot about until that particular point when you mentioned the boot and alcohol I'd say it's been there since some um, New Year's Eve it's a wonder mm. it's there, actually. I think the only reason it's there is because I had probably three or four bottles extra that I drank and I didn't get to that one for once. But, um, yeah, no, we don't. And it's, it's nice not to have to make a big deal out of it. Obligations are difficult yeah. if you have to be somewhere. I, I'd almost be inclined to say, you know what, mate, you go, I'd stay at home if I didn't want to go. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I've been thinking a lot about, you know, all of the drinking that I was doing before I was going to do social things was I drinking that much because I didn't want to go and that that's been something that I really confronted in in month four you know so yeah and that's something that I've really been thinking about a lot lately and actually like Mel was saying with you know the boundary you know really actually thinking do I want to do this do I like I'm doing this right now with a Halloween party coming up on the weekend there's another Do I yep. actually want to go to this, you know, because last year I drank an entire bottle of wine before I even walked out of my house, you know, along with a few anti-anxiety meds. So I think that you really have to get in touch with how you're feeling about something. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's a bit more challenging with family to set up those boundaries because I know that other people, um, you know, like Mel said, her husband doesn't drink. Mine is a moderate drinker. But um, setting those boundaries with family might be difficult, but you really have to stay true to, you know, your gut feeling like, you know, feel the feels and go and go with it. Um, And you protect, you protect your sobriety like a baby bird. That's right. And I do believe your first instinct 
is the right one. If you have any shadow of a doubt that like, you know what, I really don't think I should be doing this, don't stress yourselves out more and do it. Just don't. Because I think you're right, like, you know, with family and that, and sometimes you sit there and go, do I really like these people? Like, well, you know what I mean? Like, it was difficult for me because my husband's family, he's one of six, did not believe in divorce, number one. The very strict Irish Catholics who drink a lot but don't talk about it. And it's full bar. I couldn't believe it. The first time I went to his parents' place, who are now deceased, full bar, who are all these people, and they're just into it. But no one talks about that. I was the one, you know, that had the problem at the end of the day. Mm. And his ex-wife was there, and it was just like, oh, yeah, this is fun, you know. And I'd go talk to the kids because no one would really talk to me. <laughs> I didn't care. I'd take my bottle and off I'd go sit in the corner and thought, you know what, I don't I don't really give a damn. But I'm like you, I was the instigator, Cece. I can remember going to, um, God, holiday functions and just, even if I didn't know anyone, I'd be sitting there with my bottle and someone would come up or I'd go up and talk to somebody else and next minute you're sharing two bottles and best friends, never seen them before, you know. It's it's interesting. And then, how you and then they run into wine. you at the mall and they know you, but you don't know them. And they're like, remember that time when you played Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy at that wedding? And I'm like, what? And then they're like, oh, you stopped drinking. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, why? And I'm like, the fact that I'm associated with the song Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy, isn't that your answer? True story. I've never even heard happened. of that, but it, it just sounds <laughs> don't like even, a, Don't some, even listen to it. Something to do with drinking. Yeah. yeah, well, no, it's just a bad song. Uh, oh. But yeah, but this is like what kind of happens is that it, I would, I ran into somebody that knew me and I was just blasted drunk. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't even remember them. And I'm realizing that, oh my God, what did I do at this wedding? <laughs> and so, yeah, I love being able to account for every minute now. I love knowing exactly what's happened. You know, it is interesting because Halloween's coming up, you're right. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean anything to me. It doesn't matter. Close the door. I live in a high rise. Doesn't matter. What about you, Mel? You Same thing. Again? I mean, I don't, I'm not much of a dresser upper for Halloween. I mean, we'll pass out candy and stuff like that to, you know, I, I mean, I love, I'm more of a people watcher. So I love seeing, you know, other people dressed, um, the kids, you know, enjoying whatever, but myself I'm I don't know I've never been one really to partake in in the dressing whatever else so no me neither I don't like Halloween I don't like scary things but yeah I love seeing the kids come little babies when we used to live in a house we'd have lots of kids and we'd give big candy so that was fun but it is more about them and then you get the older kids coming around with cans in their hand and I'm like um aren't you like 18 19 20 it's really (laughs) interesting even the big kids used to come around like the candy okay whatever it takes and then like you said we've got Christmas because for me Christmas is the big one but um you know as I said it's your I'm glad you learned CC because you're going to have you're going to be armed up and you're going to be great and that's you know that's a good thing so I don't know what other advice can we give the listeners do you think about for holidays as I said my big advice is make a plan try and pay it forward in your mind okay how's this going to go down Work out who you know is going to be drinking, who's not going to be drinking, how you're going to handle it. And even, I don't know who I said this to the other day, even if I thought like, okay, look, maybe I don't drink much and, you know, that I'd really like to have my, you know, water or whatever out of a wine glass. Take your own damn glass so you know it's yours. So you can keep yeah. an eye on it. 
so no one's pouring wine or something else into your glass. Because you know what they do when they set the table? They'll be pouring. Some people pre-pour wines. Do you want red? Do you want white? You might get up to go to the toilet, come back, and there's something in your glass, and it just might a bit be a bit too close to grab and mm-hmm. just. That's a good point. And that's all it takes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'd be grabbing, taking my own glass, and just keeping it with me at all times, like some paranoid girl in a nightclub. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you guys reckon? Um, somebody had recommended to me because I had a, an event to go to earlier this summer. So I was about four months sober, I think, at a winery. Um, so I, was, I had a little bit of apprehension about it and just anxiety because I was about four months and it was a winery. Um, but in one of the Zooms, somebody had mentioned, you know, just make sure you have something in your hand at all times. Um, so that was, you know, kind of to your point, Deb, same thing, you know, making sure you know your glasses. But for me, it was just about having something in my hand, not worrying about, you know, what's the next drink going to be or whatever. Um, so that really helped me um, just even having water. So I agree totally. And it's like getting back to CC's point. It's about just feeling like you're participating. Once you get over that anxiety and you're in a conversation, the glass is in your hand and you and before you know it, you're into it and you're relaxed and you've mm-hmm. forgotten about, you know, <laughs> I'm not drinking then you should be fine. And I really do think that it is about just that. You know, the other day, it was really interesting. I was walking back to my apartment block and there was there's a cafe across the road and it's outdoor seating. And there was a couple of girls sitting there and they had the silver ice bucket and the, you know, the bottle of wine. And they were sort of really talking, you know, you could tell they were having a serious talk. And I looked over and all of a sudden I just just became overwhelmed with jealousy just like oh my god I miss that so so much you know I've seen people out you know outside drinking talking laughing in groups but I hadn't seen two women for a long time like girlfriends and it just reminded me of me being the lunch or brunch queen and my girlfriends and it's been a long time since I've seen them and I thought I really wanted to grab a chair and go over and just sit with them and be a part of it. Like, see, again, back to what Cece was saying, I wanted to be there. I wanted to get be involved in that intimate conversation. I wanted that bond. I wanted just to be in the sun enjoying it, you know. And I came upstairs and I thought, bloody hell. And in the, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I want the wine. I want, you know, it's the wine. It's just the wine that, that bonds you. And then I slept on it. And I woke up today and I thought, you know what? It's not the bloody wine. It's the people that you're missing. It's the bond that you're missing. It's your girlfriends that you're missing because of COVID, because of lockdown. It'll be three years in March since you've been home. I usually get home every year. This is like, I haven't seen anybody in ages. My nephews that were 11 and 13 are now 16, nearly 17. Do you know what I mean? They're nearly 15. And it's been too long. And that's when I get a little crazy. But the nice thing was, is I can do all that without that stick a bottle of bloody salsa water in the wine bucket, Deb. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Same thing. But it's what it represents. What it represented mm-hmm. to me was me and me with all my girlfriends at the beach having lunch. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting, isn't it? I break it yeah. down. I just did. There you go, CC. I learned something. New yeah, I was, was going to say, yeah, I think my big takeaway was you know, break it down. Um, 
I think the other thing is to, um, you know, if you're lucky enough to have a supportive partner, um, a partner that doesn't drink or a moderate drinker, you know, whoever your person is, um, I think that even if it makes other people uncomfortable or your main support person, even if it makes them uncomfortable, you need to have somebody to be able to say what you're feeling to. And I mean, yes, I have lots of contacts on like Telegram and the app and stuff like that, but my husband was with me in person. And although um, maybe he didn't quite deal with it in the perfect way, you know, I'm not mad at him for not dealing with it perfectly, but the fact that I was actually able to vocalize what I was experiencing just saying it, I am intimidated by this large amount of alcohol. Um, I guess my biggest advice is if you are feeling that any at any point, any similar feelings like that, you know, don't dismiss them, don't push them down, you know, say them and saying it in a way just kind of releases it. And when you take big things like being intimidated by a large amount of alcohol, like Debs was saying, you know, break it down. And don't be afraid to be vulnerable and don't be afraid to tell people how you're feeling and acknowledge that, yes, this is a lot of firsts for me. Right. Mm. And just because I've been sober seven months, doesn't make me a superhero. You know, I am a person. Right. And so, um, try to avoid those shoulds. I should be able to get through this or, you know, I shouldn't be getting great, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. Mm. So just feel the feels. And, you know, I think part of the reason why a lot of us got sober is because we were tired of pushing things down. Right. So don't let the holidays be a reason to push things down. You can still be a part of it, you know, come prepared, bring your water, bring your own glass, you know, and if it comes down to it, you know, if you trust your intuition, if you don't feel like you want to go, you know, maybe don't go. You know, everyone has yeah. their own traditions. You don't yeah. have to be there for everything. No, and like I said, I asked myself why. Why, looking at those girls, why did you feel that way? Because mm-hmm. normally I wouldn't have thought anything of that. I would have just come upstairs, opened a bottle of wine and thought that fixed it. Now I feel great. I'm just like them. But it wasn't about that at all. Mm-hmm. And I could have very easily. It's the first time I really, really, really thought I just would love to be sitting there doing what they're doing. But it was about something totally different. It wasn't mm-hmm. about the wine. Yeah. So very interesting point. Is there anything else you ladies want to add to, I think, having a plan, paying it forward in your brain, having an exit, and work out what's going to make you feel comfortable on entry? Because sometimes when we walk into a place the highs and everything. So, yeah, it's nice to see you. I haven't seen you for a while and what have you. Just do whatever makes you feel comfortable. As you said, don't force it because I think that's going to make it awkward. And it is hard sometimes walking into situations because people are all over the places, particularly at Thanksgiving and Christmas. You know, people are arriving or not arriving or, you know, and sometimes it's even great just to go out. If you're unsure, go out. Don't even cook. That way you can leave when you want to leave. If you go to a restaurant or something. Mm-hmm. And then it's not on anybody's shoulders. You're not obligated. But well, actually, with um, sorry, Deb, with our turkey dinner, um, I was actually the one that spoke up on Thanksgiving because um, Mr. Cece and uh, my sister-in-law wanted to do the cooking, and I just straight up said, "We're driving for two days to get to you. We're only staying for three days. 
I don't want to spend a whole day cooking and cleaning. You know, I feel like that is stressful. We haven't seen each other for two years. Do we really, right. is that how we want to spend our time? You know, and so it was huge of me to go against what people were already saying that, you know, oh, we want to do this. And I did exactly what you just said there. And I just said, no, I don't think this is a good idea. And sure enough, you know what? My sister agreed with me right away. And we ended up doing an, an order in Thanksgiving and it was fantastic. And I can honestly tell you that if I hadn't have stood up for myself and I had to have been involved with all that cooking and stuff like that, I think that things might've turned out a bit differently. Um, but regardless, I still feel like I'm more prepared walking into Christmas regardless. Yeah. And again, you know, at it's unrealistic expectations. Maybe she was thinking that too. Like, I really don't want to have to do this. It's so interesting. So many of my girlfriends back home, when they go, oh, God, it's my turn to have Christmas at my place this year. I really don't want to do it. That's your first first reaction. Imagine if the family said, you know what? We don't really care. We'll all go out or we'll all, you know, order in or we'll just all bring, even if everyone brings one dish. Many hands make light work, people. You know, it's a great thing. And that's the one good thing about my husband's family. That's what they would always do for every function. His mum was 82, tiny little frail old thing. She couldn't be cooking for 60-odd people. It was ridiculous. So, you know, and then we had, because we had the older people, we had the six kids, their kids, and then the other kids. It was great-grandkids. So it was a lot of people, you know, Mm -hmm. that catered to every age group. So, yeah, just do whatever you are comfortable with and know where you're at and take a self-check of where you're at because the more stress is going to lead to more temptation, I believe, at the end of the day. So, ladies, anything else you want to add before we say goodbye to the listeners? Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. Happy Halloween. Happy Christmas. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Christmas. And then it will be Happy New Year. And I will be really, really happy if I can get there because it will be a happy new year because I'll be one year (laughs) on the 9th of January. Oh, my God. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. And it's great, ladies. Seven months. You're two days apart. That's really brilliant. I'm so glad you joined me today. Thank you for that. You know, you're both special to me. And, yes, listeners, if you want to hear more, as I said, podcasts, go to Sobertown podcast.com there's loads of stuff there loads of tools loads of references loads of resources and i will probably see you again very very soon so from my lovely guest cc would you like to say ciao see you later and break ground thanks for having me take care hey thank you ladies very much and we will catch you next time listeners so whatever you do just pour the Pour the poison down the sink and have a great day and have good holidays and I'll see you later on. Listeners, welcome back. Uh, This is part two of our podcast here with how we're going to navigate the holidays um, this year. And for my guests, I'm joined by some American counterparts today. And first off, we have Squirrel Monkey. Hi, how are you? Hey, how are you? Thanks for joining me. And also, my other friend, Sheffy, how are you, darling? Hello, King. I'm doing well. Thanks good, for having good. us. Good. So, the Canadians went yesterday, and now the Americans, we've got the holidays to look forward to. And I was doing some research today, and they were saying, you know, this time of year is a high risk time of year. 
and it was referred to as the Bermuda Triangle, and that being Thanksgiving, Christmas, and the New Year. And these are the things that we're going to have a navigate, sorry, have to navigate through. Um, I was doing some research on a doctor, Dr. KJ Foster, and she's been 11 years sober. And the common denominator in my research that came up was that if you feel at any moment that you are going to be triggered or you're really uncomfortable with going to any events this year, then stay home. Just don't do it. And it seems to be a reoccurring theme, no matter who I've listened to and I've gone to three or four different resources today. They've said the same thing. Just stay away. She said she did for the first two years. She rang her mum and said, mum, I love you dearly. I know you know what <laughs> you want what's best for me. I'm doing what's best for me. I'm going to, I'm just going to skip this year. And whilst they might be a little bit disappointed at the start, I think she said she eventually got it, that it really was going to keep me whole and not put me under stress when I knew that it was going to trigger me. So I think that's a really good point. Don't you reckon guys? I would agree with that. Absolutely. Um, for me personally, I tend to avoid holidays anyway, mostly because when I was married and um, we always did all of the holidays with my now ex-husband's family and my family is in a different state and they're seven to 10 hours away. So I didn't get to spend a lot of time with them. But then after I got divorced, I noticed every time I did go spend time with my family, it, it was like the TV movie uh, disaster. And it was just always awful. There was always fighting. There was always hurt feelings. And, and it was, it was never a pleasant experience. So for the last couple of years, I had kind of avoided that. And so, yeah, I, I kind of get that distance part. That makes sense. Yeah. What about you, Chef? What's your inkling to? Well, yeah, I mean, I think it, that's great advice to, you know, say, Hey, take a year off. And it, it really, could be a nice pressure reliever um, if you're new to sobriety to just kind of take a pass on a year. Um, I feel like last year was kind of a pass for me, not so much. I was I was still fairly new in sobriety, but it was more of uh, the COVID protocols that kept me from doing big things. Um, I am just to be forthcoming and honest, a little trepidatious about this year's holiday season. My birthday is Black Friday and I've always, my birthday's always fallen around Thanksgiving and being a chef and working in the food industry, I've always worked on Thanksgiving. Um, now that I teach, I don't have to work on Thanksgiving, uh, but of course the family looks to me to do the food and I am so over it. <laughs> so um, so yeah, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do this year, but I, um, I absolutely think that's great advice to just say, Hey, I can't quite, I'm not, I'm not going to be there this year and to not feel guilty about it, I think is the, the, probably the hardest thing to, to come to terms with, but it will give you the most relief and the most, um, how, oh, what's the right word? The, I, I, the word grace is so overused right now, but that's the first word that came to mind. It'll just allow you to do what you need to do to protect your sobriety. And that's really what is number one right now. And they're exactly the words that she used, protect your sobriety. And when she, this doctor talked to um, her mom, um, you know, it was about 
Actually, it wasn't her that talked to her mum. It was another lady, sorry, that I was, I was thinking about because I thought I listened to this lady first. But she said, I just went directly to my mum and said, you want what's best for me and this is not best for me right now. I'm too early in my recovery. And she was very open and honest with her mum. You know what I mean? She said, I know you might be upset in the short term. And again, they said, if you, like you, Chef, if you're the one that normally cooks and everybody comes to your place, change it. Just say this year, I just get that pressure, like you said, off yourself because it is going to build and build and build. I mean, the normal pressure, even if you're not in sobriety, of just holding a big event and, you know, trying to time it all and have everybody over, that's just stressful anyway. Entertaining always is for a big crowd. If you've got a small crowd, great. Or like we were talking about the other day, maybe just go out and then that way that, you know, you can leave. Um, the other things that, that this doctor particularly talked about, she was talking about rituals and she said that their family would get up on like Christmas morning or, and you know what, this was kind of like our place too, or Thanksgiving. I didn't even have eggnog. I didn't even know what eggnog was until I got to America. And by then, you know, the tree's up and everything's great. You're having Thanksgiving and all, all of a sudden there's a bottle of rum coming out and this egg stuff and have some of this. And you start off your day like that before you even start the cooking. And it's a ritual, mimosas on Christmas morning with the presents. So, again, she was like, oh, I have to travel to go and see these people or my family. They're not within distance. And she said, I actually now book myself into a hotel. There's a couple of things she did. She'd take her own car so she could leave when she wanted and she would book herself her own accommodation. Again, because she said, my family can be, they all drink. They were Irish Catholics. She said, my brother can get obnoxious. Do you know how you know the family members? They you just sort of know how it's going to run. And she said, you need to sometimes adjust your attitude. Now, adjusting your attitude on top of everything else, if you're stressed, that's a really hard thing to do, you know, because you're already in an anxious state already or you're triggered. And then someone's saying, well, try and put up with everybody. You're like, yeah, I'm trying to just get myself through this. This is enough. So I think they're really good points. And you can say, look, you know what, just need the space or, you know, you've got enough going on at the house. Um, and, you know, you can be as truthful as you can with like a little bit of a little white lie. So I think there are a couple of good points too. Do you guys want to add anything to that? Would you feel comfortable doing sure. that? Yeah. I, you know, a tactic that works for me all the time, no matter if it's a holiday or not, is to have some sort of an exit plan. And like that woman mentioned, she drives her own car so she can leave when she's ready. Yep. <clears throat> and maybe you even, you know, I, I understand that some things are inevitable, um, you know, especially if you're married and you've got kids involved and you want to go to the grandparents and whatever the scenario is that you probably can't get yourself out of. So maybe you have a conversation with a partner that says, we're leaving in two hours. Like, that's a good enough time to catch up with everybody. And it's not enough time to witness all of the shenanigans. So um, that as, you know, a time limit as part of your exit plan. Also bringing your own beverages um, so you're not tempted. So I always... I literally have a 12 pack of LaCroix in the trunk of my car at all times, <laughs> just in case. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. And then, you know, if you want to have something more exciting, I'm drinking coconut water with 
sparkling pomegranate juice in it right now. I mean, you can make it fun and not just water if you want to. Um, how about you, Squirrel? Um, honestly, holidays have stressed me out for the last few years just because when I got divorced, I lost the family that I'd had for 23 years. So naively, I thought, oh, well, I was part of this for 23 years. I'm still going to have family around. And then the harsh reality hit that on those holidays, my daughter wanted to be with her dad and their family because that's how her, her entire life had been. So holidays have been stressful for me for a few years anyway. Um, Thanksgiving, most Thanksgivings, I have in the past volunteered to work for whoever has drawn that holiday just because I'm like, you know, my daughter and I do our Thanksgiving on Wednesday and we go out, we always go out and, and we choose different places every year. But on that Thursday, I figure, you know, let, let those that have family that are already dealing with enough stress with their families coming in, let them have that day off and I'll volunteer to work. But this year, the people I'm working with, they want the holiday pay because they were getting an extra bonus by working holiday this year. So now I've got Thanksgiving off and I'm like, well, crap, now what do I do? Because my friends that do Friendsgiving, they, they, they have a big ordeal and a giant spread. And I'm not really comfortable with going to that this year. So another friend of mine invited me over to their house and they don't drink. So I thought, okay, well, that'll be good. At least then I'm not surrounded by it. Um, Christmas is going to be something I have to navigate probably after the holidays my sister is the one that is the hostess. She has everybody at her house and does the meal and the type of personality she is. She's perfectly content staying in the kitchen and getting all of the food stuff done. Well, then that puts me out talking to everybody. And um, honestly, our, my tradition when I get there is I walk in the door after driving eight hours. My brother-in-law uh, points me to the liquor cabinet, tells me to help myself. He always has a new spread. And that's the first thing I do. Well, this year is different in that, number one, I work Christmas day, so I'm excused. I don't have to worry about it, but usually what they want me to be there early. And with my dad dying in July, I started, I finally decided I'm done drinking and I have not told my family that I am 90 days sober so far. And I'm just letting it ride in because I haven't seen anybody since my dad died. But I think it's going to be better for me to just not go at all because I think that it's going to be difficult because this will be the year that my brother's gone, my mother's gone, and now my dad's gone. And that whole dynamic is changing. So I honestly think for me, avoidance is going to be the best thing for Christmas. Um, in the event that I do get conned into or guilted, however you want to put it into going early. I'll be the same way that you are Sheffy. I will have to take my own drinks and have stuff that I can go to because that temptation it's right there when you walk in the door. So definitely have to plan ahead on that. But I, I'm kind of, I'm jumping on the avoidance bandwagon this year. I think I need it to be honest and for a different reason. You've had so much happen to you. That first, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot when you haven't got family members there and everything else. And again, you know, I'm sorry about your dad. It's just, it's so soon. Um, I was thinking about this myself and I thought, you know, my family's at home again. And so 
I sort of get off the hook a little bit this year and since we've been in this part of America because we don't have family here. And you know what? It's really nice not to have those obligations. It's really nice to not have to worry about, and as my mum would say, it's just another day. And I don't have to worry about turning up and dealing with the family and being where I'm probably really not wanted or whatever, and yet I can't be with my own family as well. And now I find that with mum and dad gone too, groups are getting smaller because my brother and sister don't really spend Christmas together anymore. And so and it's not the big deal it was when we were young. So, But they also said too, you know, Christmas parties with work events can be quite a big thing, you know, because that some companies, especially now with COVID, even though people have been um, working from home, I know with my husband's company, you know, he works for a very large company. And even with people retiring, they had a, a dinner out the other night and they may probably have a Christmas party. But they were saying that if you feel triggered, don't go alone. You know, see if you can have someone and take someone with you that knows that because sometimes you feel obligated or sometimes your company expects you to go. And if you can't take somebody, you can. If you can't, you can't. But then again, have somebody in your back pocket and prepare them. Say, I'm going to, you know, a Christmas function. I'm not feeling comfortable. I may call you. And that's when you're in the toilet going, hi, you there? <laughs> you know, like, oh, my God, I've got to get through this dinner. And then, like Christina said, just split. But the exit plan is something that they um, do recommend very strongly and to think ahead of how. And we do that. We've been sort of – that's one of our tools that we've been taught to do regardless of what functions we go to. So it's great that we can just, you know, apply it to this because, really, once you put in the appearance and all of you know, righty dars over. Um, and you think, well, it's only two hours and if you can get out of there safely, just you can. Um, what else did they talk about? I don't know if you guys want to add anything to that. The, the transportation is a good one too, being independent yeah, and being able just to get out. the exit plan is um, relieve yourself of the pressure of trying to say goodbye to everybody. Yeah. Especially, I love it. I love an Irish goodbye. I'm sorry, I just do. Well, yeah, I mean, absolutely, you can duck out if you're, if that's, you know, the be next best option to taking a drink. But, um, you know, we get caught up in in niceties and politeness, and if people have been drinking, they're not going to remember if you said goodbye to them or not. And so, you know, just leave. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Just know it's okay. Yeah, I have yeah. done that in the past. I actually brought my dog with me one year. Um, I had my daughter. That's another good was, one. That's the it, dog. It, it was definitely a lifesaver because I had my daughter with me and one of her friends because they were going to be driving a different car back. But I also thought, you know, these girls are not going to want to stay the whole time. I'm going to get really uncomfortable. And if I get uncomfortable, I'm going to drink too much. And I don't need to do that in front of my daughter's friend. So we brought my dog and we, of course, stayed in the hotel because of that. And it was perfect because I'm like, you know, I'd love to stay, but I, I've got my dog with me. So I'm going to have to get back to the hotel because I'm going to have to go check on him and walk him and blah, blah, blah. Perfect excuse. Perfect excuse. Yeah. I used to do that all the time. Well, it wasn't actually an excuse, it was the truth. When we used to drink at the same place on a Friday night in San Diego, our friends had a bar, whole group of us would, you know, go there to support them. But we used to say, you know, come sort of 8.30, like, I've got to get home and see Dixie and let her out. And even though she had a doggy door and she could get out. But it is, it's a great excuse having a dog. Absolutely perfect. 
and you take them and they should be with you anyway they're mm-hmm. your companions although Christine I don't know Max no Max he's such a big dog he he comes to you in the horse <laughs> big animal in fact I ran into a few big dogs in the elevator today my god there's some big ones in this building they say you know you gotta have a minimum of 25 pounds I'm like what 250 they've added a zero um <laughs> really I'm telling you um, they, this is, I like this one too, because like say for you, for example, Squirrel, if you do end up going, just say to the family, they don't know that you're at 90 days, what have you. It says here, you know, prepare your responses because you know the questions are going to get asked, especially if you're the one, like you said, that normally comes in, like me, go straight to the bar, brother-in-law says, come on, here you go, go have a drink, make yourself at home. And all of a sudden you're just pouring. By the way, your chef, your drink looks very, very festive. It's a very nice red colorful drink so you're pouring something else and it's just like what's going on so they say prepare your answers ahead of time and I pretty much do that with a lot of stuff you know like just don't get caught off guard and you don't owe them a big explanation we I actually discussed it with um the Canadian ladies you don't owe them a big explanation but my mum when my mum gave up drinking the only thing she said and she said it to everybody was I got really cooked and I lost the taste for it. Because you know how sometimes when you get a really That's bad cold. That's actually a really good excuse. Yeah. And you get, you take that like um, antibiotics. It gives you like that like penicillin. You can't taste anything. Mm-hmm. And then she said, she used to drink beer. And she said, I just lost the taste for it. I didn't enjoy it anymore. And that's all she said to everybody. And no one ever questioned her ever again. So there you go. Listeners, ladies, just there you go. That's all you have to say. No that might be something needed. that I could actually say because I know my brother-in-law really well and I, I can already hear him. Oh, what? You quit drinking? What? Did you have a problem? And I don't need that. I'm like, if I'm going to drive that far down there, that's the last thing I want to hear. So that would be a, an actually a really good excuse that I could get by with. So, yeah. And I, the other one I thought of, and it was just like, if people say, oh, hey, aren't you drinking anymore? I'd be like, no, we broke up. <laughs> <laughs> Now, now, bad relationship, we broke up and then just go on because most people knew how much I drank, you know, anyway. And that's, but that's what they've always known me as. So, yeah, look, there are things that you can say and you don't owe anybody an explanation. And if they don't like it, bad luck. Basically. I think that's one of the things that's good to, to kind of prepare for, though, because if you're going to be around people that know you and you and you like me are expecting that no matter what your answer is, that there's going to be a little bit of of egging on or comments or anything, I think it's good to kind of make a list of what you're expecting so that you already are prepared with responses beforehand. Because um, I know some of my family members, they'll just keep going and going and going. And they're honestly doing it just to make me mad because they, for the year, for years, that's just what they like to do. So I think if you can go and kind of have those conversations in your head before you get there and be prepared with the variety of responses, I think that helps. I mean, in an ideal world, we would love to be able to be honest and all of our friends be accepting and responsible and, and great and loving. But I mean, the, the few times I've had the conversation just with my closer friends, they've all been like, I didn't know you had a problem. And 
they don't get it. They just don't get it. So I think if you can have a couple of ideas of how you're going to respond to different comments, that'll make a big difference. And if nothing else, just excuse yourself because you need to use the bathroom. Take a break. Yeah. Yeah. And there's always that agitator in the family that just won't let it go. And you can just see yourself. The last thing we all want to avoid is an hour conversation about the same damn question. And Max has heard that he's going away for Christmas. Because <laughs> is that in Bark and Sheffy? Dang it. I was hoping you the mic wouldn't no. pick him up. Yes. No. Dogs <laughs> always podcast bomb. I love it. They're always in the background. <laughs> Let me in. I want to get on film. I want to be heard. I want to be heard. It's fine. Let him in. It's uh, more than merrier. Get the dogs. I mean, it's just a family affair. We are raw and unedited listeners, not professionals. Just We just roll with whatever's Whatever's going on at the time. It's time for all of the neighbors to be outside with their kids and stuff. And my dog goes nuts. So we've got our anti-bark little thing. And I've had to use it a couple of times already. Does it work? It does. It emits, he gets a beep to warn him. And if he doesn't quit, then it emits a sound that I can't hear, but that he can. And he hates it. He'll shake his head and go in the other room. So he he is sound asleep now. And usually he's on my lap. So it's working really well. (laughs) Maybe you and Shippy can have a few discussion about what works after me. Yes, we will we will deal with dogs in the holidays too. There could be another whole podcast there. Um, so yes, what else have we got here? This is another good one too. Now we all know with the community that we belong to, which is I am sober. And um, I always try and give them a bit of a shout out because we're all members of it and it's a huge community. And the one good thing that we, you know, no matter where you go, these Zooms that we attend are always available. And so, uh, you know, the friends that you've made. So there's always going to be someone on your phone in your back pocket that you can warn. Hey, I'm going away. I might just be on the blower. Yep, no problem. Guess what? The same thing for me. So you pair up with someone and you just get it organised. So in the back of your mind, you know, it's your safety net. You're good to go. And again, get on a Zoom. Even if you're sitting in the toilet, you you don't have to put your face on, but you might feel like you just need to attend to get some support. They even recommend here, like, if you're travelling to or out of your area, um, she recommended maybe looking up even 12-step meetings, you know, in that particular area you're travelling to if you feel that that's something that works for you and you need to go to a meeting. I think that's not a bad idea too, but there are options that you don't have to be alone because we know alone, isolated equals more stress equals higher risk of wanting to basically drink. And you know what, you've got to be good to yourself. I mean, just because it's the holidays, it doesn't mean that you give up being your own priority. It doesn't mean that you give up, you know, the sobriety being number one. And there are so many reasons or excuses that we could make to have a slip and just, oh, have one. And, oh, everybody's doing it and I'm feeling left out. You know what? My stepdad didn't drink his entire life and he was the life of the party. He was always the last one to go to bed. He was always the first one up in the morning and everybody loved him to bits. So I've had a great example of that. You do not have to drink to have a good time and he had the best belly laugh ever um 
What else can we add, ladies? What else have we got that we haven't covered? You know, something I was thinking about, because on the I Am Sober app, you can track your spending that you're not spending on alcohol anymore. Right. And um, a couple of years ago, I guess it was two years ago after my mom died, um, I booked a trip to the Dominican Republic and it was for right after Christmas. So I used that as an excuse not to go see my family that year because I, I was not prepared emotionally to be around my family after my mom died, mm -hmm. because that was the whole reason I was even going down there was, was because my mom was sick. And so I did that trip. And that was something else I was thinking about is, you know, if you plan a trip somewhere around that time, like, I don't know about going out of the country right now because of COVID, but if you had a trip where you were spending money on it, then you can let your family know, Hey, I've booked this trip. This is my Christmas present to myself, or this is a Christmas present for our family. So unfortunately we're not going to be able to come this year and use that money that you've, that you've been saving from not buying the alcohol to go treat yourself to do something special, whether it be a trip or a spa day or just anything like that, just to kind of justify to your family without being just blunt that you don't want to be around the dumbasses that you, you've got something you want to go do <laughs> and you, you you've saved <laughs> hard all year long for it so you're going to yeah. do that yeah and they do say that they say if you decide to stay home and you are going to be alone because maybe that's just what you prefer to do at that particular day do something nice for yourself don't just sit there and think about missing out on you know the actual day as I said, mum always says it's just another day. It will come, it will go. Because I used to have real FOMO when I was sitting in America and everybody was at home. I'm like, oh, this is, you know, 12 o'clock they'll be sitting down and 1 o'clock they'll be doing this now. I was literally going through the day with them from the other side of the world and it would drive me mad. And then it'd be like, oh, yeah, can I, you know, FaceTime with them now? Maybe the presents are open. And uh, it was just ridiculous because the day will come and the day will go. So be kind to yourself. Another idea that um, I thought about too is, if you've got the time and, you know, we, it gives us a really good feeling when we volunteer or when we're of service. So the obviously around that time, soup kitchens, I mean, I know with my in-laws, I used to, they were very heavily involved in the church. And then beside the church, we had like a food pantry. And every Tuesday, you know, if you lived in the postcode, you could come and we would bag up food for you and give it to you. And I used to go home feeling really good about that even more so than even part-time jobs I had where I got paid. It was just something about helping people. And they say that it's true that a natural endorphin, you know, dopamine endorphins and so forth, are released to make it feel really good. So, you know, you get a warm, fuzzy feeling from helping people. So if you've got time on your hands, guys, yeah, I think the important thing is to keep busy, right? It's funny so, that you said that because um... – I don't know if anybody had seen my post a while back, but I just, I bought a Jeep not too long ago and Ooh. I was out hiking when I was on one of my vacation days. And when I got back to my car, um, I had been ducked. So there's this Jeep community that does this game called duck, duck Jeep. And you put a rubber ducky on a, <laughs> another Jeep owner's uh, vehicle. And yeah, when he he actually meant to be sneaky about it, but I was actually coming out of the park ranger store, letting him know that I'd come across a bear, and he's like, "Oh, is that your jeep?" And I'm like, "Yeah, why?" And he's like, "Here," and he hands it and he runs off, 
And <laughs> I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. It, and it, it just brought me so much joy. And I just laughed about it. And I got on, I'd never, I'd heard of it because a friend of mine has a Jeep, but it was the first time it had happened to me. And, and it was, it was exciting. And, it, and now I've got this little rubber ducky on my dashboard that makes me really happy. So I had actually ordered a bunch of little rubber duckies and a couple of them are uh, unicorn ducks. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's like one of the things that I want to do um, over the holidays is, you know, go spread that joy, go for the people that are out and about. They're obviously not necessarily doing what they want to be doing. So I, I kind of think I want to go duck, duck Jeep on the holiday. <laughs> so is this a standard thing that Jeep owners know? Or? Yes, apparently it's, it's pretty popular. Um, just like the Jeep wave, if you pass someone else that drives a Jeep, you're supposed to wave at him. And I've noticed in oh, my community, I just wave at anyone. Jeep people don't wave any more than, than anybody else does. But right. yeah, it's a big deal. It started out, I think, with the big Jeep Wranglers, but now everybody has jumped on board. And now I feel like I'm just part of the special club because I got ducked. <laughs> I'm glad you had a D in there. The God, yeah. you really quick with that one, quack, quack. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. That's a really cool thing. It's badass that you drive a Jeep. My yeah. God. I, I thought, you know, that that's a good way to spread joy is just to randomly yeah. duck people's vehicles. <laughs> no, it is. It is. And um, just little things, you know, you don't have to do much, do you? Even if you just pay someone in a coffee line and you pay their coffee or, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, yeah, it's just a nice gesture. And it does make you feel good, especially if you believe in karma. Yeah. You know, it's like... If you do it, you hope that somebody else will do it and then you'll just find that this thing is ongoing. Um, what else did she say? Oh, yes, and I think we have to keep our expectations real, ladies. You know, like, don't do anything that, as I said, is going to be too stressful for you, too triggering. Um, and I think, too, if you're going to go to an event with a lot of alcohol and you know there's going to be a lot of alcohol there, and you're really, if you're cringing your belly at the thought of that, that's a no-no. Go with your gut instinct. Just don't go. Um, and it's okay. It's it's okay. In fact, it's mandatory to say no at that point if you really want to do yourself a favor because you don't want to put yourself under that stress. Um, being prepared. We've talked about that. We've talked about being of service. Um, yeah. No, we've pretty much covered covered all the things. All right, ladies. What else have we got for you? Yeah, yeah I've got one more yeah. tip. Uh, so if you do find yourself at a family gathering, and um, I would say don't be shy or um, yeah, invite people to do something that doesn't involve alcohol, like go for a walk or play a board game or you know play frisbee out in the yard or something. Um, there are so many other options to alcohol, and although our culture is saturated with it. Um, if you can get a few other people to do something that's not alcohol related, you might even have a fun time, right? You know, I'm so glad you brought that up because I was thinking about this, Sheffy. I've got nephews in Australia who are 14 and 16 now, and I was just in my brain thinking, now if I was home at Christmas, what would I do? And you know what? I'm going, I bought them a football for Christmas last year, an Australian one. They're getting a, an NBA basketball this year from me. I'd be out there playing sport with them this year. That's a beautiful, beautiful suggestion. If you've got any kids in the family, go play with them. They'll love it. 
they love it. You know, oh, you're an auntie, you're an uncle, you're a friend, you're a cousin, whatever you are to them. Um, go and play with them because I've always, I don't know about that, maybe because I had a sister that was 10 years younger than me, but I'd always, even drinking, would always like go and sit with the kids at the table and kind of just want to make them laugh and, you know, get the sillies on. But that's all right. Kids are more fun, you know. And they, sometimes they're bored and they're like, mm. but yeah, in Australia, they like to get outside because it's summer, the Christmas is summer there. So it can be really hot on Christmas Day. Um, and they'll tend to have maybe seafood for lunch instead of a cooked lunch sometimes. But yeah, get out and play. And they want to play with their toys if they've got a bike or something anyway that they got or some sporting, some sporting equipment. But don't just sit on the video games with them. I think we've got to get kids moving and get away from that. We are talking about that in a Zoom the other day about how we think the new addiction is going to be kids and video games and getting them away from screens. But that's a whole different podcast. Um, all right. Is there anything else you want to add before we say goodbye to the listeners? No. I've, I guess the main thing I want to reiterate is for those of us, especially that are in the IAS community, is you know we, we've got people to reach out to. Um, even if you're not part of a group and you're new to the app or you just really haven't made any connections, get on. If you're, if you're struggling and you're with your family, get on and, and make a post, hide out in the bathroom for a few minutes, make a post. And it helps to have people that can just kind of lift you up and, and build you up. So when you're feeling weak, don't just go, oh, well, I can't handle it. I'm just going to give in, reach out, reach out on the, on the site, um, do lots of different things, but definitely try to reach out to somebody because even if you feel like you're alone because you're new to it, you're not. There's definitely someone there that will be able to help support you through it. What about you, Shifty? Yeah, I think my closing piece of advice is what worked for you today may not work for you tomorrow. Um, so have lots of different options, lots of different tools in your sober toolbox. Um, and definitely though, I think any day making connection with somebody who knows what your struggle is will make your load lighter. Yeah, absolutely. And as you said, you can always excuse yourself and say, oh, I've just remembered someone I've got to go and say Merry Christmas to or whatever your, whatever your wishes are. And just excuse yourself and go and ring the person that you really want to ring but you probably want to say Merry Christmas to or Happy Thanksgiving to or whatever anyway or Happy New Year and just excuse yourself and say, I'll be back in five. There's nothing wrong with that. Or go to the toilet or go do whatever you've got to do. As we say, Make a really bad written need to run to the bathroom. Excuse me, hold that thought. I got to go. <laughs> I know, right? There has been many a call that you get and you can hear the echo and I'm like, I know where you are and I'm just expecting the trickle of water, you know, and it's like, because it echoes, it's hilarious. But, you know, whatever it takes, listeners, whatever it takes. Well, I hope that we've helped you. I hope that you can put some of those tools in your toolbox. Stay prepared. Have, you know, a wonderful, safe holiday season. Remember, they call it the Bermuda Triangle for a reason. We want you to be safe. We want you to be sober. And... As I said, I'm going to say goodbye now and I will probably talk to you again very, very soon. Don't forget about Sober Town Podcast. We've got a lot going on here. Um, a lot of podcasts. There is Todd's Toolbox that you can certainly 
fill up your toolbox with lots of things to help you uh, remain and keep you sober. And if you're not on IAS, join it. I Am Sober is a free app. Just download it. Get on and start talking to people, start making friends and getting the support. So, ladies, would you like to say au revoir? Hasta la pasta. <laughs> okay, guys, we'll see you later and just be safe and uh, just bless you and enjoy yourselves over the holidays.